This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NWSL Challenge Cup quarterfinals are set following Monday's results. In the early match on Monday, the Rain and Thorns played to a 0-0 draw. In the late match, the Courage defeated Sky Blue 2-0. The quarterfinals will begin on Friday morning with the Courage taking on the Thorns. The late match on Friday is the Houston Dash and Utah Royals FC. On Saturday morning, the Washington Spirit will face Sky Blue, and the evening match will be O.L. Rain against the Chicago Red Stars. Now please enjoy a recap of Monday's matches with the latest edition of the Equalizer podcast. Match day eight of the NWSL Challenge Cup. The preliminary round concludes. This is the Equalizer podcast. My name is Dan Lawletta. Rachel Krigger is here to help us break down a 0-0 draw between the Thorns and Rain in the early game. Reminder, we record segment one before we watch segment two. John Halloran and I will be along late night as usual to discuss Courage and Sky Blue And Rachel, for only the second time between the rain and the thorns, a 0-0 draw. And I guess the story, the talking point coming out of this one is that the thorns are the only team to get through the preliminary round without a win. And they now have to defeat the North Carolina Courage to avoid going home without any win of any kind in the calendar year 2020. The big, scary North Carolina courage, too, is, you know, everyone is is talking about and, and, and calling them. So, yeah, it's the really only, I guess, confirmed so far. Um, you know, obviously later tonight we'll find out the official bracket for the first round, the knockout rounds. But, I mean, it's a daunting task for anyone, for sure. I, I don't think it's... I, I would never say that it's an impossible task to beat the North Carolina Courage because soccer, just like every sport, is, is so unpredictable. But it's definitely a, a tall task for the Thorns, especially with some of the notable I- injuries that they have had, especially on that back line with Becky Sauerbrunn. Although I did think Catherine Reynolds filled in admirably today. Catherine Reynolds is one of those players that has been around for a long time and can really play on any different spot on the back line and do it fairly well. She's been on good teams over the years, been in finals on the winning end, losing end. And I think Kat Reynolds is a player that probably doesn't get a whole lot of credit. She had that great moment where she scored the goal. I think they got blown out in the game, but she scored her uh, her first goal in her 100th appearance for the Thorns a few years ago. Uh, now, Cook, Sauerbrunn's not there. And it's not coming back. Notable that Haran did not play in this game. You know, I mean, you know, not surprising that they would rest her, but she wasn't even on the bench. So that's something that maybe could have made a difference. But 
to me, I thought the Thorns were too, I don't want to say they were too good, but they were too dominant as opposed to what the Rain were doing in the first half to get out of that half without a goal. And I think that's, you know, everyone's saying, oh, the Rain are terrible and, you know, how are they, you know, how are they how are they have the record they have with how poorly they play but how about the thorns couldn't take advantage of the fact that the rain couldn't get the ball they couldn't string two passes together for the first half hour right and i think that you know the yeah the rain's defense has definitely been shaky and and not up to standard but i think michelle betos as we talked about the last time we talked about a rain match she made her second straight appearance she has been so good so far in the tournament i think she's given casey murphy kind of a run for her money but but anyway i think that i think she was really 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 good for the for the rain today but i think portland just the lack of connection i guess between the midfield and especially you know christine sinclair i think i think most of the time they were really targeting simone charlie and she had a couple really good plays in the first half she was kind of invisible there in the second half but the frustration from sinclair was was pretty evident she was pretty frustrated throughout the whole match that she couldn't really you know get anything uh to threaten michelle betos and she really couldn't connect with her midfield and, and her wingers to get the ball. Well, they're a lot like the Red Stars who are trying to replace Sam Kerr. The Thorns are trying to build a front line with basically rookies. And Sophia Smith hasn't hasn't played yet. I thought Morgan Weaver probably played the best game of the tournament that she's had so far in this game against the Rain, but that doesn't mean that she was particularly close to scoring. You know, And again, in the first 30 minutes, the Rain sat back, I thought, way too deep and played way too passively. And they, anytime they had the ball at their feet, it would be a long, heavy touch and go right back to the thorns. So Portland was content to just put the ball wherever they wanted to. And if it didn't connect, they knew they were getting the ball back pretty soon. But it didn't lead to anything. It didn't lead to any tremendous chances. I don't actually think the rain defense has been so poor as that they've been under the gun. I actually think when the ball gets in the 18, they've been – They've been pretty good in terms of keeping it out. Even in that game when the dash tore them apart, I thought that was more of a product that the midfield got torn apart and the defense had no chance at that point. Yeah, I I think that Portland's issue today, I think, was just the lack of, you know, maybe chemistry or connection because it is, you know, we we've talked a lot about new look teams and, and it's the same with the rain. There's a lot of new players um in with the rain and with Portland. And I don't think that the connection was quite there today. You're obviously going to have that argument of, Oh, well, what if Lindsay Horan was in that midfield? And then you have the, the connection between her and Christine Sinclair. But I, as, as great as Lindsay Horan is and as really um, commanding as she's been in this tournament, I still don't know if just her being in there would have been enough. I think it would have helped, but at the same time, I just, I just don't know. There, there was a lot of, there was a lot of just lack of chemistry that I noticed in the game. And, and, and I think it's something that if Portland wants to have any chance against the, the courage, I think they need to put in the players that are familiar with each other the most and just kind of see what they can do and, and build off of that. What was interesting was there was a free kick that Klingenberg took that was a little bit farther out than the one that she connected with Horan on in the Washington game, but she basically put it in the exact same spot. And I think a rain defender got to it first. So, you know, that's where you really wonder if Horan was out there, 
would Haran have gotten to that? Because we talk a lot about her being kind of unmarkable in a sense. And I don't want to get too much into a preview of the Courage match because we don't know as the time we're talking about this, you know, who the Courage used and how they came out of that Sky Blue match and how they looked. But as you said, I don't I don't see the th- I think if the Thorns have any chance, I think you're right. Haran has to be very, very good. Now on the other end, they didn't have Sauerbrunn, who's out for the tournament. They didn't have Menges, who I would imagine was just resting up for the quarterfinal. So their uh, center back pairing was Reynolds and Kelly Hubley, who are both good players, but certainly a step below Sauerbrunn and Menges. And I don't know if the Rain were ever going to score in this game. There was one chance where Taylor Smith had Bella Bixby going the wrong way, but she put it wide of the post. Um, they had a couple of other maybe reasonable chances where they filtered the ball around a little bit. But, I mean, I don't think the rain were ever scoring in this game. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think that, again, I think it just goes back to that connection. And it, it, as great it was to see someone like Sofia Huerta come in and get her minutes, I just don't think that she could quite get a repertoire with the midfield and with the other attackers that that she in in her first game. So I think it was um I think it was a valiant effort from the rain. I think they basically did everything in their power to just keep Portland from scoring and that game plan worked out well. But I don't know if you know, scoring wise, I don't know if they're going to advance in the quarterfinals just because they have been so inconsistent you know there have been games where you know they'll look decent in the midfield and then rough on defense and then you have a game like the last one where Bethany Balser just comes in and then just takes control of the game and then today she subs out in the 40th ish minute because she's having trouble breathing and you know that becomes an issue and I and I don't think you know I I've been thinking a lot about that since it happened you know, and I looked at the forecast and whatnot, it was a little bit cooler today in Utah, but you've got to remember that they're playing, what, four games in like 15, 16 days, and that adds on each and every time, no matter how much rest you get in between the games, it's going to add on, and then just all of that, the exhaustion, the heat, everything, it just, you know, it, it, it was too much at one point. Yeah, well, I think the fourth game is where things have started to go south a little bit in that regard, because... Burke and Clarkson both mentioned after the early game on Sunday that their teams were very tired. And then the late game at Red Stars Royals game, there were people dropping all over the place on the field. And as you mentioned, Balser looked to be struggling to get winded. I don't know if you've noticed this, and I don't watch it every game, but the halftime interview, the players doing the halftime interview are really Gassed. winded, like they've been running winds. Not even gas so much as just winded, you know, like they – like they've just been running wind sprints and it's almost across the board. And that's after 45 minutes. Yeah. I, I think that obviously there's going to be a lengthy break coming up. And even still, I don't know if that will be a- enough because of how close still games are in proximity to each other. And then you gotta, you gotta remember they just had what three, four months off and, and a whole off season too. And right when they were about to get started, Started with preseason, everything shut down because of COVID, and then they had to shut down again and then kind of get back up and get into a training mood really quick and then jet off to Utah. So it's a busy month, month and a half for these teams, and it's a lot happening all at once. And, you know, 
it's it's nothing against the NWSL, it's nothing against the tournament, but everything is rushed because just of how COVID has you know changed everything. Right, and as I said from the beginning, unlike the World Cup, which this has gotten comparisons to, the World Cup in theory is the culmination of what you've done for four years. This was a lot of teams looking to take the 24-game schedule to get it figured out, and now they don't have it. Um, Jess Fishlock came in right before the second half hydration break. What did you think of Fishlock? I was excited to to see her to come back. I think that anytime you can have um, any player come back from an injury like an ACL is great. But um, and a nod to Angela Salem too, who who has been playing really well in this tournament. Those two players are definitely up there in age. Uh, they're not getting any younger. They're not rookies anymore. And so to see those types of players with, with the years that they have coming back and, and not just wanting to retire on that note is, is great to see. I think she did well. I, I obviously, I think the, um, message probably from Fareed Ben Sidi was, you know, let's get out of here without Portland scoring. So I don't think she was in the attack as much as maybe she wanted to be. But um, it was it's always good to see a player like that return and, and somebody who means so much to the rain over these last few years. Yeah, and maybe she gets a little bit, uh, you know, 45 minutes or so in the knockout round. I didn't think she did a whole lot when she came in, but that's okay. First game back, and that's what, you know, you have to get through that step, getting on the field, getting off the field, feeling okay. And she was finally able to do that, and it's been about – what, 54, 55 weeks since she, I think it was the same day that the U.S. played France in the World Cup quarterfinal that she got hurt in that game, ironically enough, in Utah. And uh, before we get out of here, um, how about Bella Bixby? I, I can't tell you how impressed I am, not only with how good she is, but she seems like the calmest player on the field. Like she could sit in a rocking chair and take a nap, and you could tap her on the shoulder <laughs> and say the attack is coming, and she would get up and make the save, and then go sit down again and take a nap. She's just calm and, and very, very good. Yeah, she wouldn't miss a beat. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching her in this tournament. I think it's, you know, you never want to see an injury to, to players and, and someone like A.D. French, but it's nice to see these young players get in, get some minutes, and, and you know, quality opponents are playing them, so it's it's a good test for them. And, you know, I know you've mentioned it a, a few times that Louisville is obviously watching this tournament and seeing who they could possibly pick up in an expansion draft. And I think she's playing for a good uh, spot to be a starting goalkeeper in a couple, not even a couple years, maybe just next year. Now here's something someone pointed out to me though. It, most likely it'll be the same rules as the last time where you can only protect two American uh, Federation players. So if you've got Heath Sauerbrunn and French, and I can't imagine too much will change since the Olympics never happened. If you've got Heath Salabrun and Franch, I think you leave Franch unprotected. And I'm not sure Louisville would take Franch if they have other players available because they're not going to be able to just take every, you know, they're not going to be able to take it, one of those players off every team. But I think there's an outside chance Bixby's the opening day keeper in Portland next year. What do you think of that? I think that's a twist from what I've been hearing from you for the past couple of weeks, but um, I, I can't. Smart I, people to remind me of these things. <laughs> well, credit to those uh, people that are smarter than us, I guess. Um, I I think that it, it's not, you know, 
it's not something that wouldn't happen. But I think for me, it's just so hard to see a Thorns team without A.D. French in goal. But that's a while away, and we'll just have to see what comes out of a racing Louisville expansion draft. And uh, speaking of injuries, Andy Sullivan, torn meniscus, not ACL. So her tournament is over three to six months, which is a long time. But, hey, if you're going to be out three to six months, this is the time to be out three to six months. You can really take your time with rehab. I don't think the national team will be getting together for some time. Unfortunate to lose her, and I do think that really hurts the Spirits' chances of advancing deep because she does really control things in the midfield for them, but I guess better than an ACL, which puts you out for a year plus and would have probably taken her out of consideration for the Olympics. Yeah, there's always a chance for her to bounce back and, you know, keep her um, keep her sights on the national team. And you know that um, not just the spirit, but Vladko is going to keep in, in contact and, and keep up with her to see how everything's progressing. Absolutely. So the Thorns, no wins in the preliminary round. The Reigns score one goal and get three results, a win and two draws. They finish on five points. When John and I come back on the other side, we will miraculously have the results of the Courage Sky Blue game as well as the full slate of matchups for the quarterfinals of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Rachel, I think we'll be hearing from you at least one more time before this tournament is over. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll be back with more with John Haller, and you're listening to the Equalizer podcast. Hey, everybody, Jeff Kasouf here, founder of The Equalizer. Thank you for listening to The Equalizer podcast. Wanted to let you know that we also have another podcast that I host called Kicking Back. Kicking Back is a one-on-one style interview type podcast where we talk to players and coaches from the women's game and get to know them a little bit better and talk about some of the moments that define their careers. So after you're done listening to this podcast, which please finish this one first, Head over, check out Kicking Back. Make sure you don't miss it. We've got interviews with some of the top personalities in the game right now and many names that you know from previous years in women's soccer and many more interviews to come. So check us out on any platform. The one you're listening to right now also has Kicking Back. And we'll get you back to the Equalizer podcast now. Back on the Equalizer podcast with the preliminary round now in the books on match day eight. The Courage defeated Sky Blue 2 nothing in the nightcap, so they finish the preliminary round four for four. They'll finish first, play Portland. Sky Blue finishes seventh and will play the Spirit. The other quarterfinals, Rain and Red Stars, and also the Royals will face the Dash, before we continue on, a reminder to please check us out on the web at EqualizerSoccer.com or for premium content, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And we hope you've enjoyed the content we've been firing out at you since the NWSL Challenge Cup began a couple of weeks back. Uh, my name's Dan Lawletta, bringing in John Halloran. And, John, before we begin, just one other person I want to mention is Jacqueline Purdy who is East Coast-based and has been staying up extraordinarily late hours uh, putting together the podcast, producing it. And the worst part about that for her probably is she has to listen to us. <laughs> last thing she does before uh, she gets it finalized and put to bed. But we talked about Rachel last week, but just want to say um, a shout-out to Jacqueline, who has been huge producing these podcasts late at night. Uh, let me tell you my takeaway from this Courage Sky Blue game. 
I thought Sabrina Flores made it more the most compelling case yet that Midge Purse shouldn't be playing outside back. How about that? I will tell you that I was very impressed with Flores's game overall. She had in the first half she had a really nice win that she connected through Zerboni that resulted in a chance. She had a, a couple of good takeaways on that side, I thought, in the first half. Um I'm a little curious. She's naturally left footed, correct? I thought so because I thought that was her. I thought she was more of a left sided player. Right, but she played on the on the right side yep. tonight and and did fine. There, I didn't see any um, noticeable impact. But yeah, I would agree that I, I thought she had a good game overall. I think you might, if you wanted to be hypercritical, uh, be able to say that she should have put a body on Sam Mewis or tried to step in front of Sam Mewis on the first goal because it did drop right in that area but uh but yeah i would agree that overall she had a nice game and you know what she was facing probably the best outside back in the league and maybe it wasn't daniel's best game you know she played every minute up until she came off in the 80th and it seems pretty much across the board that this fourth game has been a bit of a wall for a lot of players but i you know i still thought she did well i also thought you know i hear what you're saying about that goal but I also thought Estelle Johnson did some ball watching on that goal. I, you know that she maybe could have stepped up and put her body in between Mewis and the goal there. Was she standing behind Urseg on that play? I think so. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they both could have collapsed on it. I think Urseg flicked the ball, so maybe that's why Johnson kind of got stuck in cement, if you will. But uh, again, I, I, you know, I said, if you wanted to be hypercritical, I'm not sure that Flores could have done much on a goal. And then, you know, obviously, look, the uh, Sky Blue didn't play as well as they did against the Dash. I think it would be probably too much to have expected their midfield to be as good as they were against the Dash. But, you know, the courage kind of seemed like they came out and said, look, we're just going to push, 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 push to get an early goal. And then we'll see what happens from there. And I give Sky Blue a lot of credit in this game because they didn't stop playing. They didn't get down when they went down by a goal. And these are things that are not really in the DNA of Sky Blue teams dating back to probably the middle or beginning of 2017. At the end of the day, the courage, the lineup the courage had out there is at least two nothing better than Sky Blue. Yeah. Everything being equal. So I was kind of impressed with Sky Blue. And, you know, I don't want to overlook the courage, but, you know, they were the best team all four games. They won all four games. And, you know, we'll see if they get tripped up in the knockout round or not. But uh, they are about, um, you know, to quote an old NFL coach, they are who we thought they were, which was pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, and you're right. This has turned out exactly how everyone predicted that it would, that the courage were coming into this not only as the defending champs, but the most dominant team over the past three years and with very little roster change. And so you looked at what they had done and what they had to change or make up for, which was very little, and everybody expected them to dominate, and they have done that for the most part. I think, too, you know, you were talking about looking at the positives of Sky Blue's performance. I think we should throw some love to Kaylin Sheridan too, who had made at least two excellent saves and a couple of other uh, pretty solid ones. You know, I remember Christy Holly telling me about Kaylin Sheridan going into the draft because that was the Jane Campbell draft and okay. Sky Blue had picks four and 10 
and they desperately needed a goalkeeper. And I asked him, are you going to any chance you take Campbell at 10? And he said, I think the kid from Clemson and I had never heard of her, but that was Kaylin Sheridan. He said, I think the kid from Clemson is better and I'm going to get her at what I think she went 22 or 23. And lo and behold, you know, Campbell went, I think, 15 to the dash and Sheridan went 22, 23. I think she's gotten so much better in the year she has been in the league. And I'll tell you this, I rate her ahead of Jane Campbell right now. And it's not even a discussion for me. I think she's better keeper than Jane Campbell. Yeah. And I think Sheridan's had a better tournament, even if you just judged it on what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. She had that low. She got her hand down on that. Uh, I think it was the Williams shot in the first five minutes, did a nice job pushing that. And then the kick save on Dunn in the 28th minute was a really nice reaction save as well. Yep, and she's pretty good with her feet, too, which is something that she has worked on a whole lot over the years. In fact, who who did she – she had one play where she gave it up, and one of the defenders actually got stuck with the ball at her feet after Sheridan did made a pretty nice move with it, and it turned out it wasn't that big of a deal at the end of the day, but that was just a play that uh, that stands out to me. And, you know, speaking of the courage, you know, in their four wins and four games, you know, it's the 60th minute of the fourth game, and they go to the bench, and it's like, oh, by the way, Jess McDonald is on this team, too, because she hadn't yeah. played until then. Right. You know, and she looked okay, I guess, in this game. But I thought Mewis, you know, sometimes I don't like when a player plays well and scores because it makes it seem like we're just kind of complimenting the players who score. But I think Sam Mewis was subpar for three games, and I thought tonight was the Sam Mewis that is the starting midfielder in the World Cup final for the national team, Sam Mewis. I would say to anybody who uh, hasn't taken a second look at it, go back and watch the done goal if you can watch the buildup. And, and the CBS Sports uh, or CBS Soccer account tweeted out the, the, the full play. Go look at the pass that starts that sequence, yep. which is Mewis, um, I think, maybe scooping the ball or maybe even coming at it um, – with her toe, but to bring it over to sky blue players to put Lynn Williams in to space down the line, who then of course drove in and, and provided the assist. And also just to recognize players who aren't on the score sheet, getting a goal and making an impact. We should recognize Williams contribution because not only did she have the assist on Dunn's goal, but she is the one who had the header on Mewis's goal in the seventh minute. She's the one who knocked that corner kick out of the air. Yeah, if anyone who thinks Alden Williams does a score isn't watching closely enough because she does score a lot, but I think she distributes very well and, like you said, got the head on that ball before the original goal. So not on the score sheet, she has an assist, but, um, yeah, I think she's a much more complete player than she gets credit for. And how about Haley Mace outrunning Imani Dorsey? at the end of the game, down on that end line. Yeah, I actually didn't see line. that. I, I'll be honest with you. Once you start pushing into 75th, 80th minute in a 2 nothing game with mass subs, uh, I, I start fading. Not to no, mention I hear that hour of the day. We've talked about this from the beginning. The five subs, it, it gets really easy to lose track of the game. I know they're only allowed to make subs halftime and three other increment intervals during the game, but, yeah, I think it, it does get – Difficult, but Mace basically outran Dorsey to the end line. And, you know, Dorsey's one of the faster players in the league. 
And uh, I know she was on tired legs and got a pretty nasty challenge, I thought, from Addison Merrick early in that second half. So she might have been a little bit slowed from that. But Mace against the team that drafted her, um, pretty good. And you know what? Mace has come into all these games late and played pretty well. It's not easy to do, especially playing yeah. on a good team like that. Yeah, and you know, I said this, I think maybe it was even after the first game, that I always thought watching her in college that, she was better as an attacker than a defender. And I know they retold the story during the broadcast again tonight about, you know, how she came into North Carolina and wanted to play defense. And they said, no. Um, so I'm glad that that's, that's where she's playing. You know, just one other thing too, on North Carolina overall, um, that we didn't mention earlier. I think that Dabinia's tournament has been spectacular. And I thought again tonight it was quieter because her passes didn't result in as much, but she had two or three passes were just beautiful. What looked like simple passes that split defenders create opportunities. Um, I would say between her and Vero are probably the two midfielders in this tournament so far that have impressed me the most with their ability to just carve a defense in two. I agree. And I think where Dabinia separates herself from Vero is that she defends and she didn't come into the league defending, but she has figured it out. It's been nice to see. Quarterfinal matchups, uh, courage and thorns spirit and sky blue rain and red stars dash and Royals. Obviously, the Courage Thorns game stands out because it's the Courage and the Thorns. Right. But is there one that you are particularly interested in, not interested in? Well, I'll tell you, the one thing that I really just can't believe is how well this ended up turning out for Chicago on the last day because their their tournament was not particularly strong and looked pretty dire in terms of uh, where they were probably going to end up until that Casey short goal the other night. And now they're set up against the rain who finished third, but I don't think anybody would argue that the rain played well by any stretch of the imagination no. in this tournament. And now they're on the same side of the bracket as sky blue and Washington. And this is a Washington that's going to be without Andy Sullivan. So, I think it turned out really well for them. I'm, I'm happy that uh, that Utah is on the same side as North Carolina. I talked, I think it was last night, about wanting to see a Utah-North Carolina match. So if they do both advance, I think that sets up a fun semifinal. Um, and, I mean, look, Portland obviously isn't the same Portland as, as they were two or three years ago. But if Lindsey Horan is playing, they certainly have a chance, and they've had – a few players stand out, a few younger players, a few players maybe that we haven't particularly talked about a lot over the years that that still should be a good matchup. Who do you, who are you thinking on of those young Thorns players? Well, I think Bella Bixby is one that I've had fun watching. Kelly Hubley, I thought, uh, has played fairly well this tournament. I think Morgan Weaver's done a nice job. I don't think maybe you've seen the end result, but she's a rookie forward and I think it's pretty typical to not maybe have that final product, but I thought even in um, their last game that she combined pretty well with Sinclair. I think she's gotten better, which is a good sign. Yeah. And I was saying to Rachel in, in the first segment, Bixby is like the calmest player 
on the field. Like she could nap while the ball's on the other side of the field and you just wake her up and she would pop up, make the save, get rid of it and go back to whatever else she was doing. It's, it's, you know, not only is she good, but she seems unfazed. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. And we've talked about the depth at goalkeeper in this league. Um, I mean, your, your, your story earlier about Campbell and, and Sheridan being picked 15 and 22, even a few years ago gives you an idea of how deep the goalkeeper pool was. Um, that you really don't even need to use draft picks on goalkeepers anymore. But, uh, for her to step in as a relative unknown and as someone taking the place of French is, is remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I kind of look, looking at these matchups, I think the Rain and Red Stars have played some of the most boring NWSL matches yeah. I've seen in the last two years. And considering that the Red Stars can't score and the Rain can't score and have, <laughs> um, you know, Penalties. And have three clean <laughs> After sheets. 90 minutes. Yeah, like should we just go straight on and do like eight rounds of penalties instead right. of five and see what happens? So, you know, maybe they'll explode into a great game, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't look back on recent history with those teams and say, yeah, those were fun games to watch. Well, I'll tell you, I was frustrated um, today because it, I thought based on the lineup graphic that Ali Long was going to play as a 10. And I thought, oh, well, maybe this will help the rain open things up a little bit. And then, of course, the graphic was just wrong, which really should not have surprised me because that's pretty typical. Um, so that was that was a little bit uh, frustrating. I, I was a little surprised. We've we've seen a little bit more of Amber Brooks than I would have anticipated from them. I thought Alana Cook maybe would have gotten some more minutes in that. And um, we also don't know what Chicago is going to have available in terms of a midfield as well, because uh, Morgan Gautreaux obviously left the last game uh, with some sort of an injury. You know, and uh, what do you do with Fishlock and O'Hara? Do you start them or are they second half subs for you? Um, I, you know, I don't know. What did, what did Fishlock end up playing? I think about 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, if she's, if she's good, you almost have to play her because it's not like the Reigns midfield has done much this entire tournament. Um, what they've gotten, they've gotten, I think, mainly from, from Balser. Yeah. And Balser came out and actually had some interesting, uh, an interesting tweet that she was basically had an anxiety on the field. Yeah, the way I read it was that she was having trouble breathing and then the anxiety kicked in. So it sounded Mm -hmm. like maybe I'm wondering and and I don't want to be wrong about this, but I'm wondering if maybe it was just the normal heat. And, you know, have you noticed in these postgame interviews or halftime interviews how out of breath the players are? Yes. In fact, I I tweeted and I got a Rachel Daly engagement about how brutal the conditions are. Okay. So I think we're seeing that, and I, I wonder if that, you know, because if you've ever been in a position where you can't breathe, it can be a pretty terrifying experience. So I don't know if, if it, in terms of a chicken-egg scenario, if she was just struggling as the game progressed in a quote-unquote natural way, and then the anxiety kicked in because she was struggling, or if the anxiety kicked in uh, the struggle to breathe. Yeah, and hopefully she'll be okay come. Uh, she was not, I would say she's, she wasn't playing well, but I don't know that, the game set up for her to play well because the rain were just getting eaten up through midfield. So I'm not sure what she could have done short of just coming back and being a midfielder. 
Um, the other thing is this Dash Royals game, which is a rematch of that wild yeah. uh, 3-3 game. That I mean, everyone's going to expect that to happen again. It's impossible, right? They can't possibly play a game that entertaining again. Well, the thing about the Dash, when you have players like Groom and Daly, I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen in the attack. Those are two players that can just kind of go off at any moment. And the same with Utah. When you look at Vero and Amy Rodriguez in particular, those are two players who can just create something out of nothing. So sure. Why not? And whoever gets through that will, you know, neither one of them has been in the playoffs. You know, you can say that Utah is an offshoot of FC Kansas city, but even if they are, it's been a while and there are maybe one or two players left, but, um, neither team's been in the playoffs, so this will be the first knockout match for both. Somebody advances from that knockout match and most likely gets North Carolina. So I don't know that you're playing with house money per se because, you know, look, if you're in the semis, then why not the finals? But whoever gets through that match, I think you can put a gold star on their turn, especially if it's a nice win, you can put a gold star on their tournament no matter what happens in the semis. Yeah, and we're going to see that from a few teams, right? Because the way that these brackets – have turned out, you're going to have Sky Blue or Washington in the semifinals. And I'm trying to think back. The last time that would have happened would have been 2016, right? Or 2017. Well, I'm trying to think. 2016 was when the Spirit, Spirit yep, were in the and final. And Sky Blue, that first year, 2013. And then they haven't been in the playoffs since so then. Right. So you're looking at the first time in four years, uh, if it's Washington and the first time in even longer, if it's, if it's sky blue. So you're going to have a couple of teams working their way in here. Um, and again, it's not the same, obviously. Um, we don't know what these teams would have done over the course of a full season, but, uh, yeah, it'll be a nice moment for them. And you talked about Sullivan is out probably three to six months, but we don't know about Rose Lavelle either because she was on the injury report and that's why she didn't play. Right, and they still have talent, but um, I think DBSE was even on the injury report last week. So that that's that's a rough go for them if they're missing, you know, two of three, uh, or maybe even three of three of their top choice center midfielders. Yeah, for sure. So it should be interesting quarterfinals. We'll be back on Friday and Saturday, and we'll recap every single one of them for you. But the preliminary round. Is in the books to recap one more time. Courage beats Sky Blue 2-0 to finish first. We already knew that. They'll play the Portland Thorns. Sky Blue drops to seventh on some wacky tiebreakers with all those teams on four points. They'll play the Washington Spirit. Rain will play the Red Stars. And the Dash will play the Royals. So a couple of rematches and a couple of matchups of teams that have not played yet. So it's time to say goodbye for now. For Rachel Krigger and John Halloran, my name is Dan Lawletta. Thanks for listening to the Equalizer Podcast. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 